Good morning. We are indeed blessed to be able to come together in this manner to enjoy fellowship with each other uh, in, in the hour before to study God's Word and to learn from it and to hopefully be molded and shaped by it, be challenged to obey it, and then in this hour to come together to join our voices in beautiful singing, uh, to lift up our concerns before God together, to hear a message from God's Word, to take of the Lord's Supper, to give of our means. It's a blessing. Uh, It's a privilege to be able to come before our God in this way, and He deserves every ounce of praise uh, that we can muster. And we're thankful for your presence, for all of our members. We're glad that you're here, our regulars, visitors. If you're a first-time visitor, we're especially thankful for your presence And we hope that you'll give us a chance to uh, meet you and get your name and uh, get to know you a little bit. So please stick around so that we can do that. I, uh, I wanted to start by sort of taking stock of where the Israelites are. Many of us have committed to reading through the Bible in a year. And the plan that we are using takes us through both Old Testament and New simultaneously. Now, I know as we have gone along, it's gotten harder, hasn't it? It's gotten harder for me to keep up with the reading. And uh, I have actually listened to some of my readings, and I think that counts. What do you think? I think it counts. I still checked it off. Uh, Hearing, you know, for, for many hundreds, even thousands of years, God's people heard the Word instead of reading the Word. There was an oral tradition. And uh, so, you know, I think I, I, am, uh, I, I stand on their shoulders when, when I do that. I will count it if you do that. I think that is totally acceptable to listen, uh, you know, instead of reading. I know that's gotten more difficult as we've gone along, as any New Year's resolution does. But I thought this morning we would take stock of where the Israelites are in our Old Testament reading. Let me do a, a quick rewind and review of where we have seen the Israelites come. I'm going to go, I'll start back with Abraham and his son Isaac and Jacob. These men, part of this family, we call them the patriarchs. God made a very special covenant with them, formed a relationship with them and their families and made great promises to them. He promised to make them into a great nation He told them that they would be a blessing to all nations, and he also said, I will bring you to a very special land. Now, if we fast forward a few generations, we are told the story of Joseph, who is one of Jacob's sons. And the rest of Jacob's sons, if you'll remember, sell Joseph into slavery, and he winds up in Egypt. There's a great famine in the land of Canaan, and so Jacob, his father, And Jacob's family, they come down to Egypt to escape the famine because they've heard there is a food source there. They wind up there, they're taken care of for several years, but then when we begin the book of Exodus, there's a new sheriff in town. There's a new Pharaoh, and he doesn't know about Joseph. uh, And he doesn't hold Joseph's people in high esteem. He makes them into slaves. He fears them because the nation is growing more numerous. God hears the cries of the people. They're crying out to God, deliver us from under the thumb of Egypt. God raises up a deliverer. His name is Moses. Moses brings the people out of Egypt. 
God delivers the law to the people. He forms a new covenant relationship with them. And he wants to bring them into the land. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about how they were on the cusp of entering the land. They sent a delegation of spies ahead to scout out the land. Ten returned with a negative report. Only two came back and said, we can do it. We can take the people. We can take the land that is rightfully ours. The other ten said, there's no way. We're not powerful enough. The people are way bigger. They're way stronger. And as a form of discipline for the people, God says, you will have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And so an entire generation, with the exception of the two and their families, an entire generation missed out on the promised land. Well, now we are in the book of Joshua, and and now I believe you have begun judges. We have begun judges together. But in Joshua... Joshua, who is uh, the, the heir of, of Moses' leadership, the mantle of leadership has been passed to him. Joshua is all about the conquest of the land. At long last, God's people are coming in to the land. They have finally crossed over the Jordan and begun taking what is rightfully theirs. And when we get to Joshua chapter 14, which is our text today, and I would urge you to go there with me if you have a copy of God's Word, grab it, go to Joshua 14. Phew, i got to take a breather after that. That's a lot of history in a short amount of time. In Joshua chapter 14, Joshua is now old. He's an elderly man. And the time has come for the land to be allocated. He is making allotments. He is saying, this tribe should live here and this tribe over here, and so on and so forth. Uh, they, are, they are granting the land to the various tribes of Israel. And what we find in verse 6 is that another old man approaches, along with his family, approaches Joshua. And I want you to get a mental image of this man. Can you see him? The tufts of white hair. The face that has been weathered by sun and wind from decades of wandering in the desert. But this man, he's not frail. He's not hobbling along as some others do when they reach an advanced age. No, he's not stooped. He is still strong and stout. This elderly man comes up to Joshua, who's also elderly at the time. And he says to him, the latter part of verse 6, he says, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me? The older man says this to Joshua. And you look at Joshua, and you see in his eye a knowing look. This old man says, you remember, if you think about it, you can remember what God said to your predecessor Moses when we were in Kadesh Barnea about you and me. Joshua knows exactly what he's talking about. Because these two older gentlemen have a shared history that goes all the way back to Numbers chapter 13. Which is where, as I mentioned earlier, those 12 12 spies are sent up into the land. 
And ten come back with a fearful report, but only two, their names, Joshua and Caleb, come back and say, yes, absolutely, we can take the land. The old man here is Caleb. And as I said, he and Joshua, they're the only two who come back full of faith instead of fear. I want you to listen again uh, to what Caleb has to say on that occasion in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. And in some ways, this sermon is a direct sequel to the one from two weeks ago when we talked about how the people had trust issues. We are going to pick back up with the story of Caleb and, and to a lesser degree Joshua many years down the road. But on this occasion, after the 12 spies had come back from scouting out the land for 40 days, they come back with their report. Caleb is one of only two who says this, let us go up at once and occupy it. We are well able to overcome it. Caleb, along with Joshua, says this in Numbers 14, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. Do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land. And then, the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. They came back full of faith. They believed that God would keep His promise. They believed God when He said, I am giving the land to you. And you know what? Caleb and Joshua risk their lives by remaining faithful. Because in Numbers chapter 14, verse 10, the rest of the people pick up stones to kill them which is a punishment deserved for people who blaspheme the name of God, who rebel against God. And they were going to kill Joshua and Caleb for remaining faithful to God. And all these decades later, Caleb has not forgotten. Verses 7 and 8 of Joshua chapter 14. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. My heart was committed to following after the Lord. Verse 8, But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. You will hear that phrase again. Joshua wants us to get that phrase in our heads. It is repeated in this chapter uh, a few times in describing Caleb. He wholly followed the Lord his God. And what's most notable about Caleb, what I want us to see, he says 40 years ago this happened, or, or rather I was 40 when it happened. 45 years have since elapsed. What is most notable is not that he had faith then, but that he's kept the faith ever since. Not that he was faithful on that occasion, but what I want us to see is that he stayed faithful throughout his life. And he remains faithful at the end of his life. And he has come to Joshua for a specific purpose. He's come to claim his inheritance. When he says to Joshua, do you remember what, what God said to Moses concerning me and you? He said we would be the exception. He said everybody else was going to have to miss out on the land because of their doubt and their fear and their rebellion. But he said that me and you and our families, that we would get to go in. And I am here to claim my inheritance promised by God to Moses in Numbers chapter 14, verses 24 and 30 and 38, where God said, everybody but Caleb, everybody but Caleb and Joshua, everybody's going to have to miss out except for 
my servants, my men, Caleb and Joshua. And Caleb is here to say in verse 9, let's listen to him. Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever. Because, here we go again, you have wholly followed the Lord my God. You have been fully devoted to the Lord. You have followed Him with your whole heart, with your whole being. Now, throughout this reunion of sorts between these elderly men, Joshua and Caleb, who have been through a lot together, Caleb is is sort of exalted by Scripture as a profile in faithfulness. And I want us to notice some things that the Scripture wants us to notice about the faithfulness, the undying devotion that Caleb has to his God. Now, if you're still bringing your little spiral-bound notebook with you uh, when you come to worship services, then this is the time for you to grab it. And you may want to jot some of these things down that we are going to observe in the text today. Let's look again in chapter 14 at verse 6. When Caleb, we, we imagine this scene earlier when Caleb approaches Joshua. He says, you know what the Lord said to Moses. You know what the Lord said. It strikes me here that for all these years, despite all the time that has elapsed from this event that he is referencing, Caleb has been hanging on the word of the Lord. He's been counting on it. He's been relying on it. He says to Joshua, you remember what the Lord said. The Lord said this. Are we counting on what God has said to us? Are we relying on the great promises that He has made to us? You know, I think Caleb's words here ought to be in our vocabulary more often. When we are faced with fear and doubt and discouragement and things that trip us up and temptations, you know what we ought to say? When we face all these obstacles that Satan has a way of throwing into our path every week, you know what we ought to say? You know what? The Lord said this. The Lord said that. I am standing on the promises of God. I am counting on the Word of God. It is striking to me that 45 years down the line, Caleb still has those words of God in his brain and he remembers them as if it was yesterday that he heard God speak them to Moses. He says, you know what? Do you know what God said? God promised that He would allow us, He graciously promised to allow us to enter into his land. Are we counting on the promises of God as Caleb did? I think about what uh, Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. I'm going to try to keep my place here in Joshua. Peter says that through Jesus, he, God, has granted to us his precious and very great promises. We are beneficiaries of even better, greater promises through Jesus than anyone ever was under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament. Through Jesus, God has promised us hope and life eternal and salvation and forgiveness and peace 
And we could go on and on all the day long. I mean, we could be, be here all day listing all of the blessings and the promises that God has granted to us through Jesus Christ so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. And a little bit later, Peter says, and the Lord is not slow or slack to fulfill his promise. He is simply being patient with you because he wants everyone to repent. Don't you dare think that just because we are 2,000 years removed from the time of Jesus Christ that God has not forgotten. Don't you think that he's forgotten his promises? Don't you think that he is not still intending to fully fulfill those promises? Be like Caleb. Be like Caleb, who many years down the line, when he was an older gentleman, was still counting on the promises of God, still banking on them. Let's be people who, like Caleb, say more often, you know what? We may be facing an uphill battle here. You know what? This temptation seems great. You know what? That obstacle is big. But God said, God made this promise, and I'm counting on it. Caleb is a model of faithfulness for us here. He's been hanging on the word of God, and so should we. Let's look in verse 8 of chapter 14 again. Caleb says, My brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. we got to focus on this because it's repeated so often. Caleb has wholly followed the Lord I want you to think about the time, what has happened over this amount of time. And if you've read, you know. Caleb has persevered through a lot of rebellion by his people. We can assume that every time the people grumbled against Moses, every time they complained about the food that they had to eat or the drink that they had to drink, every time that they tried to to, um, recruit new leaders to go up against Moses, every time that they grumbled and said, oh, I wish, Moses, you had just left us back in Egypt instead of bringing us out in this wilderness to die, every time they complained and and rebelled, Caleb stood firm. Caleb was steadfast. And don't you know that that was so discouraging, that that was so disheartening, that was so frustrating to Caleb? To this great man of faith who we are told here wholly followed the Lord. Caleb persevered through it all. He endured. He is a profile in faithfulness for us. And as we keep going, if we look in verse 10, we read, Behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses. What I notice when I read this verse is that Caleb knows, Caleb knows to the core of his being that it is God who sustains his life. It is God who has kept him alive all these years so that he could reach this great moment where God's promises are about to be fulfilled. Caleb understands that every morning he opens his eyes, that's a gift from God. Every time he, his heart beats, that's a gift from God. Every time he takes air in through his lungs, that is a gift of God. Each breath, a gift of grace. Each heartbeat, a sign of favor. 
He knows that his life is in God's hand. And I kind of think that if we realized every moment of every day that our lives were in the very hand of God, that our lives depended upon him, that he could take our lives if he wanted to in an instant, that every breath we breathe, that every beat of our heart is a sign of God's sustaining power and grace, that we would be more prone to commit ourselves to God. That we would be more likely to devote ourselves to God in a bigger, better way. I think if we understood as Caleb understands that God is the one who has created us, is sustaining our lives, that He's the reason that we are here, we are seated here, uh, seated here rather, He's the reason that I'm standing here, that, that we would be more motivated to dedicate ourselves to Him. Like Caleb. Caleb knows that God is the one who has sustained his life. And how about one more for you? Verse, verses 11 and 12, as we think about Caleb as a profile in faithfulness, listen to what he says. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. you got to love Caleb's confidence here, don't you? I mean, he is an 85-year-old man. He's talking about a time when he was 40. Do we have any 85-year-olds here today who feel as good today as they did when they were 40? I'm 34, and I don't feel as good as I did when I was 24 If you've lived a life this long, you look four decades back, most of us wouldn't be able to say, I still feel as good as I did then. Caleb says that. And you know what's even greater than his confidence? His faith. But we've got to admire his confidence here. He says, I am just as strong now as I was then. My strength now as great as it was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day uh, and As you look a little bit later, he says, I will drive the people out just as the Lord said. Caleb has confidence in God. God made a promise to him long ago, and Caleb still believes that God is going to keep that promise, that God will use him in order to receive his inheritance despite his personal limitations, despite his advanced age. I have a picture up here on the screen of Jim Thorpe. Maybe you've heard of Jim Thorpe, a legendary track and field champion. In 1912, Jim Thorpe, who was an American Indian from Oklahoma, represented the United States in the Olympic Games. If you look closely at this photo, and in fact, it's zoomed up on his feet, you can see that he's wearing different socks and shoes. And this was not a fashion statement in 1912. On the morning of his competition, his shoes were stolen. But Jim Thorpe didn't give up. He found two shoes in a garbage can during the Olympics, and that's the pair that he's wearing in the picture. And one of the shoes was too big, so he had to wear an extra sock. Wearing these shoes and socks, get this, wearing these very shoes and socks, Jim won two gold medals that day. Jim Thorpe didn't let stolen shoes stop him from running his races. And Caleb didn't let old age keep him from keeping confidence in God 
and claiming his inheritance. Caleb said, you know what? I feel as strong today as I did then. I know God's going to use me so that I can claim my inheritance. He's going to use me to fulfill his promises. I don't care that I'm 85. I believe that God is still going to keep his word to me. Caleb keeps the faith. He keeps the faith. And that's what I want us to remember about him today. Yes, he starts well. And we love to go back and we love to see that first story about him when he's one of the twelve. And the great courage and and fearlessness and faith that he possessed then. But it's most notable that he finishes well. It's great that he started well. Maybe you started your journey well. Full of faith. Full of fearlessness. Full of courage and devotion. But what Caleb teaches us over the long arc of his life is that it's most important that you finish well. That you finish strong. We need to know that God doesn't expect success of us. He doesn't have a minimum number of people that he needs us to convert. He doesn't have a minimum number of people that we are to to write notes to or deliver food to a minimum number of children that he needs us to teach in Bible class. It's good to do all these things and more as devotions, uh, as demonstrations of our faithfulness to God. But God is not expecting success of us. He simply expects our faithfulness. He expects our devotion over the long haul. He just wants us to hang in there. He wants us to endure. And so we need to ask ourselves, how is my faith holding up? How is my faith holding up? Am I on the same trajectory as Caleb? Is my faith getting stronger? Is my devotion getting deeper? Or has my faith waned? Did I start strong? Did I start up here? But it's just been sort of a slow, gradual slide. In Joshua chapter 14, Joshua blesses Caleb with the land that was promised to him because, once again, Scripture says, he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. And in Joshua chapter 15, verses 13 through 15, the old man Caleb, this elderly man in his 80s, drives out the inhabitants of the land of his inheritance. He claims what was promised by his God and preserved by his faith. He claims that land that was promised by his God, yet preserved by his faith. And if we keep the faith, when it's time for us to cross over the Jordan, we can rightly claim our inheritance, our reward. We can say with Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. If we keep the faith, if we endure, if we hang in there like Caleb, then we will on that day hear the Lord's well done, good and faithful servant. We will receive his welcome. His gracious enter in. 
So is your faith as strong as it has ever been? Or has it waned? Is there an obstacle blocking your path toward deeper, bolder faith that just needs to be pushed out of the way? We offer an invitation to anyone who needs to come and devote their lives to Jesus Christ. To anyone who, comes, who needs to come requesting prayers for any number of reasons. Why don't you take advantage of this special song this morning as we stand and sing right now?